If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 31. We're in a verse-by-verse study of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31. We've worked our way through, in about nine and a half years, the book of Proverbs, coming all the way to Proverbs 31 and almost all the way to finishing this great book. If I have gauged it correctly, we will have possibly about three more messages from Proverbs chapter 31 and then maybe one wrap-up message about the entire book. Now, I know you don't think that's possible for me to do, and it might very well not be, but I want to try to see if in that fourth and final message from this morning, we would be able to wrap up the entire book of Proverbs, taking sort of a jet tour through the book of Proverbs and finishing it all, and then saying amen. Not closing the church down, of course, but being able to at least close the chapter on our verse-by-verse study of the book of Proverbs. And so, I think we're going to have a great time not only this morning, but in those other three messages, and then maybe that fourth and final message on the book of Proverbs itself. If you know, we have been studying the qualities, the characteristics of the portrait of a godly wife from the book of Proverbs chapter 31. And thus far... We have come up with about 15 of those qualities. I think, again, if I'm looking at things correctly, we'll probably have about 25 characteristics total when we get to the end of this chapter. And thus far, we've covered about 15 of those 25 from verses 10 up to where we're going to be in verse 23 this morning. And those 15 qualities, if you haven't been with us, are as follows. She is excellent. She is excellently valiant. She is exceedingly valuable. She is wholeheartedly trustworthy. She's wonderfully thrifty. She's perpetually helpful. She is delightfully industrious. She is creatively domestic. She is tirelessly serving. She is financially competitive. She is courageously strong. She is perceptively aggressive. She is incredibly handy. She is cheerfully kind, she is unflinchingly confident, and she is beautifully arrayed. And we've seen those 15 very, very well in the verses that we have covered thus far. But because of our time, because of the limitations on our time through communion, we also have a very special announcement, a congregational announcement that we want to give you at the end of our service regarding the land purchase of this eight and a half acres of land over here. So because of those limitations, I simply want to give you two more character qualities this morning from verses 23 and 24. And here they are. She is famously supportive, verse 23, and she is lucratively enterprising, verse 24. She's famously supportive, verse 23, and she is lucratively enterprising. Verse 24. Let's look at verse 23. She is famously supportive. Proverbs 31, 23. Listen to what it says. Her husband, the husband of this godly wife, is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now there hasn't been a great deal said in this poem regarding 
the godly wife's husband. But here he's mentioned. He's really only mentioned two other times. Look back at verse 11. That's the first time that he's mentioned, right at the beginning of this poem. And it says this in verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. So there's a reference to the husband. And then look in the last portion of this poem in Proverbs 31, verses 28 and 29. There it says, her husband also, that is, blesses her, and he praises her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. So, you have, as it were, some brackets. You have the husband mentioned in verse 11, and then you have him mentioned at the end in verses 28 and 29, and then fairly close to the middle, a little bit toward the end, you have him mentioned again here in verse 23. He's mentioned in verse 23 as being well known. Do you see it there? He is known in the gates. But please notice that his status as a public and community leader a figure in the community, is precisely so because of his wife. Did you notice that? You notice that because it says, her husband. That's implied an emphasis on her. Her husband is known in the gates. What does that mean? Well, it's interesting. It's obviously implying the idea, as it goes through all of these characteristics, these character qualities of a godly wife, this wonderful portrait of this amazing woman, that one of her attributes, one of her characteristics, is that she is so famously supportive of her husband that because of who she is, he is known in the gates. And it's wonderfully emphasized even by the word known because it actually could be translated renown. Renown. He is renown in the gates. And what are the gates? The gates, back in ancient times, was a reference to what we might say today was the heart of the city. Either the downtown area or the place where everybody would come to be able to transact business, to make decisions. Maybe this was the place where the elders of the land gathered to be able to give wise advice, to give counsel, to give judicious decisions to the people of the land. Maybe it was the place of the courts. Maybe it was the place where wisdom could be found. Maybe it was the place where disputes were meted out. This, in essence, is implying that these very men, the elders, and this husband is presumed to be one, is so renowned in the gates as he makes wise and judicious decisions precisely because his wife is so supportive of him in his duties in the gates. In the workplace, in the marketplace, in the place where the men conducted their business, where these elders were gathered in order for all of these things to be adjudicated, to be worked out, whether they be free or in dispute, all of these 
times and seasons in which in a town, in a community, where things were really happening, this man, her husband, was so well-known, so renowned, precisely because she is so famously supportive of him. In other words, her reputation is getting around to the degree that this man is extolled, highly respected in the community. That's pretty good. That's really good. She is not doing him any disservice. She's extolling his virtues in the gate so that he himself is more highly respected in the community. In other words, he has great credibility because of her. She is talking him up. She lives her life, she has her character in such a fashion that when people think of her, they think of the wonderful husband of whom she has married. This is a wonderful thing. Whether these are public debates or meetings or judiciary decisions, whatever they are, with this famously supportive wife, her reputation among the members of the community actually serves to enhance her husband's own reputation among the city fathers. This is a wonderful thing. That's why I say she's famously supportive. She's well known. But what she does is through her reputation extols his reputation. You've heard of that phrase, haven't you? That behind every great man is a what? Great woman. She's so supportive of him that her enterprising success has brought him an even higher reputation that he would, that he would have otherwise gained. This is an amazing woman. In fact... I would assume so, because look at the latter part of verse 21. All her household are clothed with scarlet. If we take scarlet not to be double thick, like I mentioned last time, but actually something of a scarlet character, it might even speak of the regal character of the success of the family. In other words, they're doing well. Financially, and because of her reputation in the financial arena by being so enterprising, and we'll talk about that in the next verse, she's so enterprising, we've already seen in spades how successful she is. She eyes a field and buys it. She's trading and bartering. She goes afar to be able to see what the merchant ships have brought to her. And she takes this linen and fine garments and scarlet and purple and she clothes her family in such a way that she is known even in the gate by her enterprising success and through her enterprising nature and through her famous exhortations and encouragements and welfare of her family, especially her husband, he is so very respected in the community. Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4, and you'll see who this woman is. Proverbs 12, 4. I love this. Proverbs 12, 4. An excellent wife, a valiant wife, is the crown of her husband. Oh, I love that phrase. She's the crown 
of her husband. She's the epitome of the success that the husband is known for in the gates. Wouldn't you love it, ladies? If you were famously known because of the crown which is your wife. Oh, it just brings all kinds of, of good things your way. She's your crown. She's your success story. She's behind you. She's pulling for you. She prays for you. She loves you. She cares about you. And because of who she is in her regal character, because of who she is in her success, because of what she's known to be so famously in the community, she does nothing but make you look good. Do you like that, fellas? you want to have that kind of woman? She's the crown of her husband. Notice what else it says, though, in verse 4. But, of Proverbs 12, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. That's the opposite. Boy, you couldn't get more opposite than that. Crown of her husband, and yet if she shames him by her wanton living, by her non-support, she, instead of being famously supportive, becomes infamously non-supportive. You don't want that. Proverbs 20, verse 6 Many a man, many a man, many a person proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Not male, just person. Who can find a trustworthy person? That's who you're looking for, young men. That's who you're looking for in a wife. I hope you find one. Because he who finds a wife finds a what? A good thing. And obtains favor from the Lord. That's the kind of wife you want to find. One who's a crown to you, not one who tears down your house, but builds it up. Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Don't, don't go around trying to find a woman who isn't anything but trying to build her house. If she's anything, that's what she's attempting to do. Build it, not tear it down. Don't go around with the, the woman who's described in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 18. Come, she says, this adulteress, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. Listen to what she says about her husband, verse 19. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon he will come home with her many persuasions. She entices him. With her flattering lips she seduces him. Don't be with that woman. She's a woman of folly. She's a woman of sexual immorality. You want the woman who builds you up. You want the woman who builds your home up. You want the woman who extols virtue who is godly, and because of her own character and qualities, it serves to enhance your own reputation. This speaks volumes to the respect that this man has when it comes time to render decisions. He's just respected because of her, and of course because of him, but enhanced by her. She carries herself with dignity. She carries herself with respect. And she brings him only more credibility when he deals with the affairs 
of state. This is, this is a great woman. Let me ask you by way of application this morning. Do you enhance or take away from your husband's public reputation? It's a great question. Ladies, is your husband's reputation both in the home, like with your children, or outside in the community, in his workplace, in the marketplace, is his life, is his reputation enhanced by your life, or is it diminished? I'm not referring to putting on airs or faking it in public. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm not talking about hypocrisy, making him look good when he's not really good at home. I'm not saying that. I'm referring to what makes up your true and genuine character, which then together as a couple makes you what you are perceived to be in public. Who are you in private? Are you a wife who is doing what you can to enhance your husband's reputation in the workplace or in the marketplace? Do you seek to enhance your husband's work environment, his civic, his social, his leadership outreaches into the community? Or is your character in private actually serving to diminish his role in the world? What about your reputation? Who are you when no one else is looking? And what is your reputation in relationship to his reputation? Are you a high-maintenance wife, constantly detracting his attention away from his out-of-home responsibilities? Are you capably handling the affairs in the home so he's freed up to care for your family's needs with those outside obligations? And look, it's, it's not just a series of questions to you ladies, husbands, are you seeking to do what you can to support that kind of wife who desires to be virtuous in the home? Are you supportive of her when she tries to make your house a home? Gentlemen, what are you doing to ensure that your wife is successful so that she can in turn then make you famously successful? Does she have what she needs to be successful at home? Are you looking out for her best interests? Or do you continue to put pressure on her to not only do what she's responsible to do at home, but then maybe even pressurizes her into doing more outside the home than she should so that you are causing her to do back-breaking work both inside and outside the home while you're not fulfilling all that you're responsible to do? You know, there are a lot of those husbands out there who aren't doing all that they could or should do. And some of these ladies, many of them, much of them, are, baking, are breaking their backs to do the kinds of things to make the home successful. Again, not showing off errors, not trying to fake it in public, but to try to make ends meet, to try to do all of those things, to make their home spiritually successful. Men, are you supporting your wives in that? Is she under pressure to skimp and save just because you're not as diligent as you need to be out in the world? Don't put your wife under that kind of pressure. Allow her to be supported in whatever she needs to be most comfortable so that you're striving to fulfill the God-given role that God has given you to provide for the needs of the family. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. Nobody said it was easy. Even the curse of the fall is that man is going to have to work by the sweat of his brow, right? Thorns and thistles. It's hard. It's hard work. 
But don't exacerbate that hard work by forcing upon your wife that which is beyond her capabilities. And I tell you, when both husband and wife are working hard in the home to publicly show their characters as faithful and committed followers of Jesus Christ, because they are desiring to be highly supportive of one another as husband and wife, and they're seeking toward each other to do what they can to love and appreciate and admire the gifts and abilities in each other, given their respective complementary roles, it is beautiful to watch. And for the sake and the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the value on that is incalculable when they're working together. And by the way, since over the last two Sundays I've gotten on my soapbox, which is perched just below my high horse, right? Remember that? Enjoy your differences. Enjoy them. Now I know that he, ladies, doesn't do things quite like you do them. I know that. I live with one. I understand. I mean, they want you to do things just as they do them. I understand that. And, and, and husbands, since you're the leader and since you're the male dominance in the home, I understand that she doesn't do things just like you want them done. I understand that. And you say, well, why did you do it that way? And, and why do things happen in the house this way? And why don't you do them this way? And on some of these things, they're gray areas. They're not black and white. They're not right or wrong. Remember what I've said before? Men, relax. Relax. Enjoy the differences in how things are done. Enjoy them. Enjoy the differences between men and women. Now, I'm not going to get into all kinds of psychological and sociological analyses of how men and women are different from each other and how males do this in that way and how females do those things in the other way. You know what? I think most of those studies are valueless. You know why? Because who's to say what's true or not? You could get 15,000 people in an eight-year study and say women are like this and men are like this and men are from this planet and women are from this planet. And you know what? It has absolutely no scriptural validity to it whatsoever. So who's to say it's ultimate? Who's to say it's true? Who's to say it's authoritative? Forget all of that and don't read books like that. You know why? Because it detracts you from reading the book, the book, that tells you what your roles are and to be complimentary with one another and to love and appreciate each other and to follow what this book says are the roles between one another and in all of the matrix of who she is and who I am and why she's doing things differently than I'm doing it and while I'm doing things differently than she's doing it, enjoy one another and enjoy the differences. Laugh a little. Amen? Amen? You know what? I'll give you an example. I'll give you a prime example. Usually, at night, when I brush my teeth, when I'm finished, I have this terrible habit. I tap my toothbrush several times on the sink to get all of the liquid off of it. And my wife says, why do you do that? It's so annoying, especially when she's laying in bed and she's just about asleep. And she hears this... You know what? We laugh about it. And I'm trying to stop. It's just that I've been doing it for 50 years of my life. You know what? 
in the grand scheme of things, in the final analysis, laugh about your differences. Laugh about them. Have a good time with them. And if you can, stop for the sake of the other person, do so. If you can't, ladies, Beth, if you can't, (laughs) enjoy them. Enjoy them. Enjoy life with the wife of your youth. Ladies, enjoy your husbands. Do you know that all of those things, in the grand scheme of things, are not to be so thought about regarding the big picture? Isn't it true? We've got so much to be concerned about, don't we? There are so many bigger fish to fry out there, is it not so? So many other incredibly painstakingly hard things to deal with as couples, as parents. The death of a spouse. The death of a child. The waywardness of a child. The loss of a job. Shall I go on? It's true. Cancer. Feebleness. Age. The idea of ministry responsibilities and time and effort and financial tough times that we live in. There are so many things for which they could occupy our times and should when all of the other things that we do, all of our quirks, all of our idiosyncratic ideas and movements that are not in the final analysis that important at all, enjoy the differences between what you do and what your wife do what what your wife does because it does not ultimately in the grand scheme of things matter that much laugh about it if you get hung up about the idiosyncrasies of her or vice versa laugh enjoy it don't think about why does she do that when well, i've pointed it out hundreds of times look if it's a preference Submerge your preferences under the preferences of others. Isn't that what Philippians 2 says? Right? I mean, if they point it out, try. But if you're not always successful, the other person, give a little, laugh a little, maybe even laugh a lot. Right? It's it's not worth it. None of it's worth it. Do what you can to be as married persons speaking to others and about them to others in a way that builds them up, not tears them down. That's why she's so famously supportive. That's why his integrity is so high. She desires to build him up, even speaking to him about his faults and his failures, if need be, but doing so in love and seasoned with grace. Here's what it is. Proverbs 11, verse 16. Here's the first part of it. Proverbs 11, 16a A gracious woman attains honor. There it is. There it is. A gracious woman attains honor. If you want to be honored, ladies, be gracious. Gracious. As its opposite, Proverbs 9.13. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. Just, Just put those... In contrast to each other, gracious, loving, kind, sensitive. And here's the woman of folly, boisterous, loud, contentious, naive, knows nothing. Same thing, Proverbs 7.11, the immoral woman is boisterous and rebellious. 
Don't have those qualities. Don't be infamous for those qualities. Be famous with the qualities of grace and support and love. Ladies, is your speech toward your husband, especially when you speak about him to others, seasoned with grace? Now, this is a big problem, isn't it? Talking about your spouse to others in ways that in your heart of hearts, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be talking about him, about the way, I do, the way he's living, the way he's treating me. Now, there are ways and places, pastors, counselors, and it may be that if you have a trusted friend, that you may be able to delicately negotiate around the idea of not tearing him down, to seek advice, but be careful, be very, very careful. You ought to be in such a way with him that, like verse 11 says, her husband trusts in her and he has no lack of gain. He praises her. Of all the women in the world, you're the noblest of all, he says in verses 28 and 29. And husbands, how do you speak about your wife? Do you think about her, say about her? She's my crown. Be careful how you speak to others and about her to others. Would what you say Tear her down. Build her up. Look at Proverbs 22.1. Proverbs 22.1. Here's a verse for both of you, husbands and wives. Proverbs 22.1. Let this etch itself in your mind. A good name, husband or wife, a good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. Husband, you want your wife to have a good name, a good name, good reputation. Wife, you want your husband to have a good name, good reputation. Absolutely. Proverbs 11, 22. Proverbs 11, 22. You don't want to do this. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Do you lack discretion in your speech about your husband to others? It's like a ring of gold in a swine's snout. It's, it's not too good looking. Chapter 19, verse 13. Here's the latter part of it. The contentions of a wife are a constant dripping. Proverbs 21:19. It's better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. Proverbs 25:24 It is better to live in a corner of the roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Isn't that so opposite of grace, mercy, honor, building up, not tearing down? This woman is famously supportive of her husband. You be that way as well. How about verse 24? Proverbs 31:24 She is lucratively enterprising. She is lucratively enterprising. Notice this, verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Now this is so interesting because if you were listening as I was going over this first quality, you heard me say that one of the ways this woman's own reputation has brought great respect for her husband is what is said right here in verse 24. Notice, 
She makes these linen garments, which means she has to go out and get them from somewhere. And she sells them, which means she's involved in some transaction with somebody. And she supplies belts to the tradesmen, which means that she's having conversation with these people. Which means that if you tie it with the previous verse, that she's doing what she's doing. She is so lucratively enterprising that everybody who sees her and does business with her says about the husband who married her, Wow, you have a catch there brother credible she's enterprising she's wonderful she's gracious she's supportive she helps you that's tremendous what an amazing lucratively enterprising wife you have there fella the man who finds that kind of wife finds a good thing obtains favor from the lord proverbs 18:22 this woman's lucrative enterprise only adds to the husband's reputation with the tradesmen with those to whom she sells these garments too, it's amazing. I guess that's why the latter part of verse 14 of Proverbs 19 says, A prudent wife is from the Lord. A prudent wife is from the Lord. I have a prudent wife. That's why I can stand up here in the pulpit and speak to you. I've, I have tremendous credibility because of her. Not much on my own, but so much because of her. Because she's a prudent wife. She's from the Lord. Isn't it also amazing? It's amazing to me that in the space of the last 12 verses alone, follow this with me, this amazing woman is said no less than 10 times, 10 times, to be somehow involved with her serving with her hands, providing either food or clothing or money or some other kind of service to all those around her. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. She works with wool and flax with delighted hands. Verse 14, she brings food food from afar for her household. And as somebody told me when we went through verse 14, that's not an Arkansas phrase, from afar. That doesn't mean a fire. She brings food from, from afar. If there were a fire, the food would be consumed. Verse 15, she gives food to her household. Verse 16, she strategically looks for a field in which to purchase and then plants a vineyard. Verse 18, she senses that her financially and material gain is good. Verse 19, she works with her hands to make clothing. Clothing. Verse 20, she works with her hands to help the poor and needy. Verse 21, she puts double thick clothing on her kids when it's cold outside. Or if it's a reference to scarlet, regal clothes, nice clothes, expensive clothes, helpful clothes. Verse 22, she makes fine, beautiful clothes for herself to wear. Verse 24, she makes garments and belts for sale. What an amazing woman. It's incredible. In fact, I even thought about that. My wife and I were talking last week about this whole thing, about a woman being lucratively enterprising. And, you know, I thought something. I thought, you know what we ought to do? We have, and it's coming up quickly, what we call share and swap, right? Where folks of the church bring things that we don't sell to anybody, we just share with each other as a body, and we swap things that we need, right? It's a wonderful idea. It's no obligation, no issues, share and swap. How about we do something else for all of the enterprising ladies of the congregation, okay? What if we called it something like this, browse and buy? Browse and buy. You know what? Maybe even prior to Christmas, Maybe we would have the women of the church because they want to be financially enterprising, right? These are what these verses are talking about. She looks at a field. She buys it. 
There are so many creative women in our congregation, they could do things that would help supplement the income of their family by their enterprising nature. Why wouldn't it be good for us, ourselves, as a congregation, to not only share and swap, but to browse and buy? Why don't we say to ourselves that this is an opportunity for these creatively domestic women to do in their home that which you and I could profit from, and they could profit from it as well, help supplement the family income. Wouldn't this be a wonderful wonderful thing? Wouldn't this be a good thing? There are enterprising women all over this church. I can think of a couple of women who are Christian authors. Carrie Tittle, Deborah Howard. They have books. They have books that you and, and me and our families could profit by. And they help supplement the incomes of their family. There are those who make jewelry. There are those who do all kinds of things, whether it's material goods, those things which you and I know because we trust these people. Uh, They're at economically excellent prices. Why don't we do something like that? Why don't we say to ourselves, let's help each other as we browse and buy because these ladies are so creative. It might start the creative juices in our ladies so that they're genuinely helping you as a congregation congregation and you are helped by them and therefore they are helping their own families. This is a, this is a wonderful thing. Now, I haven't said anything about the elders. I haven't said anything about counseling this. I haven't said even that this is a great idea and it might not be. But it might be. And it might be something that would encourage your heart as a creative woman. And it might help you in your income in the home. And it might help all of us as a congregation to do the very things that Proverbs 31 is talking about. I'm telling you, this lady is nothing short of fabulous. She fears the Lord. She delights in serving others, especially those of her own household. She does it with a great attitude. She's privately and publicly supportive of her husband, so much so that he becomes famous for who she is in addition to who he is. And she, through her financial and material gain, is able to do that, which helps supplement the income of the family, which causes her husband even to be so much more highly respected in the community. This is a woman to be coveted. Young men, here's my challenge. Find one just like that and marry her as quickly as you can. What are you waiting for? Some of you eligible bachelors, what are you waiting for? There's so many women like this. I was at a church recently, and I saw these very, very wonderful girls. And they were in their mid-20s. I think even some of them were in their their early 30s. And I, I said to the leadership of the church, well, who are these ladies? Well, they're just great, godly, God-blessed ladies. They're, they're so wonderful. They're eligible. And we've got some guys sitting over here. And I'm saying, get them together. Marry them up. Come on. I love to matchmake. It's the opportunity for godly men to marry godly women. And what better in the same church where you know the families, you know each other. This is, this is an opportunity, men. Now, you've got to do it rightly. You can't just walk up to them. I, it was so funny. This week I went to the hospital, visited one of our people, and she was telling me, I said, well, how did you meet your husband? She thought it was amazing. She said, I worked at a fast food restaurant, and he was 
one of the leaders in that fast food restaurant. So I met him, didn't know much about him. And then we both didn't work there anymore. And, and uh, several years went by. And then I saw him again. And I was in my early 20s and I was still living at home. And he saw me and he invited me to a Bible study. And when he first called me to tell me about this Bible study, he said to me, and I, and I really, after the Bible study, would like to take you out to eat because I have a question for you. And she said, well, that's fine. And so they went to this Bible study, and then they went out to eat, and they prayed for their meal, and she said, amen, and he said, you know, I told you that I had a question for you, right? And she said, yes. And he said, here's my question, will you marry me? (laughs) Absolute truth, absolute truth. And I said, what did you say? And she said, I said, yes. (laughs) And they married in just a few months. And they've been together for 27 years. Now, I'm not saying that's the norm. But I will tell you this. On the third date with my wife, I said to myself, it only takes a dummy to figure out on the third date what a catch she is. And so I said to her on that third date, you know what? I think you and I ought to get married. What do you think? And she said, I think that's good. And I said, wonderful. And we Met, dated, were engaged, and married in five months. And people say to me now, if you had to do it all over again, would you do anything different? And I say, absolutely, I would. Really? What would it be? I'd marry her sooner. (laughs) Why? Because she's my wife. She's a prudent thing. She's the joy of the Lord. Why? 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 God doesn't always orchestrate things that way. But when He does, you know what He does in it? He proves His will and His providence and His grace And when you are the kind of person you need to be, and when she's the kind of person she needs to be, then God brings you together, and for the glory of God, you are famously together as husband and wife, doing all that you do in the home and in public for the glory of God, in the face of Jesus Christ, for the obedience of the saints, and for the extension of the kingdom of God around the world. Isn't that what we're all about? Boy, what a a great lady. And we've got some more principles that you won't believe that are coming from her life. Let's pray together. Father, we are so very grateful that you have given us, in your word, the picture of a lucratively enterprising lady, of a famously supportive wife, who is those attributes and more. She is so excellently valiant and exceedingly valuable and wholeheartedly trustworthy, and wonderfully thrifty, and perpetually helpful, and delightfully industrious, and creatively domestic, and tirelessly service-oriented, and financially competitive, and courageously strong, and perceptibly aggressive, and incredibly handy, cheerfully kind, unflinchingly confident, and beautifully arrayed. Lord, bring this kind of woman into the lives of godly men who desperately desire to be married And who could be with a woman like this? And Lord, if indeed you have given us these kinds of women with all their faults and all their failures and all their sins and all their doubts and all their intended expectations of good and who see themselves often as failing in these areas and more, Encourage them through us. Let us speak well of them. Don't let us tear them down.
Let us give them grace. Give them honor. For whatever we can in whatever ways we can. And Lord, may a woman who aspires to do these things be so famous in and outside the home that she does her man good all the days of his life so that he never lacks gain and so that he might say, of all the women born among women, she excels them all. She's so noble. Lord, cause us to be this kind of husband and wife team, all of us collectively, that the church of Jesus Christ And for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the extension of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, be so clear that the value of this husband-wife relationship clearly reflects the very picturing, the very image, the very mirror of Jesus Christ and his relationship to his bride, the church. For we pray in his name. Amen.